0: Welcome to the Pen and the Yad. On this show, Rabbi Siegel from Anshe Amit Synagogue speaks with author Jonathan Eig about Parsha Bahar, releases from economic bondage, looking at the Jubilee year as an ancient blueprint to end the cycle of poverty.
1: This week, we're talking about the portion of Bahar, and it is a portion focused on this idea of the Jubilee year, the Yovel. Seven is the key number in Jewish life. It's a covenantal number. Sabbath is on the seventh day. It's a reminder that God is the creator and the world belongs to God and that we are God's partners. And so the perfect seven, seven times seven, 49 years, leads into the 50th year, which is the Jubilee year. And in the portion, all debts are released, lands that where family lands are returned to the original owners, it is the ultimate reset button. It's like socialism. A in a way, it's like socialism, but... Which is really popular these days, <laughs> from what I hear. Right, so Bahar is making a comeback. The only, the only difference between <laughs> socialism and the Torah is that socialism is man-centered or human-centered, and the Torah is God-centered. In other words... If I'm a landowner and I purchase land from you, then by what authority do I have to return the land? And so the ultimate question is, it's a matter of faith as to whether or not I follow these laws. How seriously do I take this idea that we are really on God's land? It's not really ours. And so that which I have is meant to
0: be shared. So God is the socialist? Is that what you're saying?
1: I think God is the justice. God understands that if we are created in the image of God, then we have to take that out of the church, synagogue or mosque and practice that. And how do you practice that in real time? You make sure that you break the cycle of poverty. And what's so interesting about this portion to me is that this is the first instance in human history where the cycle of poverty is, is really being addressed. How do you get out of indentured servitude? How do you break the cycle of generation of generation to generation of just being in this terrible poverty-stricken level?
0: Yeah, especially in a capitalist society where there are rewards for wealth. There are rewards that are handed down generally, generationally. And a lot of the wheels would fall off the wagon if you said to these people who are investing, the capitalists who are investing in industry, investing in real estate, You only get it for 50 years. When the Jubilee comes along, we start over. Well, you know, those people might still invest, but they they wouldn't invest as much.
1: Well, that's interesting that you said that because a problem will develop in time. And it happens during the rabbinic period. If you are a person of wealth and I come to you for a loan and it just happens to be the 48th year, what goes through your mind as the lender?
0: (laughs) I need a good accountant here, which is why the Jews... specialize in accounting, I guess. Um, no, I think you'd have to rethink the entire process depending on where you are in the in the calendar. And so there's a possibility that you might not
1: give me the loan. Right, absolutely. And so that is exactly what was happening in the time of Hillel. So you had people who were destitute, needed that loan, but the lender wouldn't lend because they didn't think they were going to get their money back. And so what Hillel does is he creates a legal fiction called a prose bull and what it does basically is that it takes the teeth out of the jubilee year, the yovel and allows people to be repaid after the jubilee year so he effectively legislates it out of existence so so far we've talked about socialism capitalism and the practicality of lending money i want to add as if this isn't enough One last uh, level of complexity to this. In the portion, we have these words, which should be somewhat familiar to us. Ukratem dror be'eretz lechol yosheveha. That you should proclaim release or liberty throughout the land and to its inhabitants thereof. We know these words from the Liberty Bell. And the focus of the word dror in this case is liberty, proclaim liberty throughout the land. And to the inhabitants thereof, whereas, and 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 the meaning of that when you hear those words on the liberty when you see those words on the Liberty Bell, what goes through your mind? What are the, what's the liberty they're talking about?
0: Well, generally, you think of liberty from foreign powers, from oppressors, from um, just the freedom that comes with being an American. But it, is that a communal freedom or is that an individual freedom? Well, we had slaves, so it was clearly not communal.
1: Right. So in the in the in the thinking of the. Uh, Founding fathers, certainly Jefferson, the, the, the role of the individual to be unchained from law, to be allowed to function in the larger society, was paramount, which basically is one of the foundation stones of capitalism. Right. It's interesting that this phrase comes from this portion, which is saying that actually you are not free to do everything you want with the land. Mm-hmm. You're not free to amass as much wealth as you want without feeling some sort of larger responsibility to the whole, to the to the to the broader society. But we shouldn't be so quick to jump to socialism.
0: Yeah, and this is where it gets really interesting in in, in today's world too, because obviously we support the accumulation of wealth, and we support. The idea that one family, one generation should do better than the next. You want your children to do better than you. But we've gotten to a point in our society, and it sounds like they've got to a point in in this um, Parsha as well, where there was too much accumulation of wealth by too few people. You get a divided society. You get these vast inequalities. And the Torah says, no, let's wipe it out. Start over. Give it a clean slate. Release people from their burdens, from their poverty, and give everybody a shot. And that, now you're starting to see some people saying, we need to find a way to break down some of these enormous inequalities that have, that have arisen in our society today.
1: Remember that this, the people that are receiving this law had just come out of Egypt, which was the most hierarchical society imaginable. And so it makes sense that they would be receptive to this idea. But within just a few generations, you're hearing the prophets rail against the a society that disregards the needs of the widow and the elderly and a mass as well. And so this is the struggle that we go through in every generation.
0: So the 1% hires lobbyists to stop the Jubilee from wiping out their wealth every 50 years, right?
1: Right. So... In our society today, younger people seem to be saying that socialism is the way to go. And I shouldn't have said younger people since Bernie Sanders is leading the charge. Right. And this is going to be a larger and larger issue as we come closer to the presidential election. But we know that from the history of the 20th century that socialism slash communism was not a worker's paradise, that there was graft, that there was all kinds of abuses. So... What is the role of law? In other words, I'd like to say that I would make the right choice. I'd like to say that if I was that landowner, I would say, yes, I need to share this with you. But the reality is, is that I'm human. You're human. Do we have to have a greater law that basically directs you, leads your steps to prevent you from say, uh, listening to your lesser angels.
0: Yeah, I think you can argue that that's the only way it works, that if you grow up in a society where you know that you don't get to take it with you, that the government is going to tax you or um, the ruling order is going to tax you at such a rate that your children cannot expect a vast inheritance, and as, and you get something in exchange for that. You get a society that is that is civil, that is... Egalitarian that is you know has um, that takes care of you and your children in a, in a way that provides a, a level of stability. I think people then get accustomed to that, and I think some countries have done it better than others
1: medical care certainly would be part of that Social sure. security would certainly be part of that and
0: so your in fact really- this country has done it better at certain times in our history. Um, if you look back after the great Depression, we created a much greater social service net, a safety net. And we had a much uh, better. We did a much better job of getting out of poverty from the '40s up until I'd say the '70s, even into the '80s, when you began to see a, a tearing away of that safety net. But America was expanding its its um, its safety net and reducing poverty in, at a rate never before seen, and and we've backslid from that.
1: And the great society in, this, in the mid '60s was that concept really in its largest form, I mean, you think about what was before that and what followed that, it's remarkable. And we take it for granted today. And today it's also being challenged. Yeah. Can we really afford it? I want to come back to the difference in a translation. The difference between proclaim liberty throughout the land and to its inhabitants thereof, or proclaim release throughout the land and to its inhabitants thereof. Liberty is whatever you and I decide liberty is. Release is a very specific term. I need to release you from the bonds of poverty. As a member of society, that's my responsibility to you. I need to release you from a cycle that would continue to keep you in a uh, broken or at least a lesser position. That I can command, liberty I can't command. Right? This is, I think, took from the Torah's perspective, and I wonder if we are really struggling with. And capitalism is really based on liberty in a way, the liberty of the individual to go out and amass wealth. And right, and we kind of we're going to you know, pretty soon start walking down, um, you know, the root of the. Of the Fountainhead and all of those right. kinds of larger concepts, but I, w- I wonder what you think. I, I I think that there is something there about what our roadblocks are.
0: Yeah, I think that if you look at it um, as release, it's uh, there's a lot more opportunity there for for equality, for kindness, for democracy. I mean, democracy uh, is is a better word than socialism if you uh, if you want to use democracy in its truest mm-hmm. form we should be a society of the people. And that means all the people and not just the wealthy people accumulating power and bending the rules. Um, you know, release could also be construed by the, uh, by the people who have accumulated wealth as being released from concern about their, about others. They, they are free to do what they want with their money and forget the rules.
1: Well, let me give you, let me give you a, um, a very direct example. Supporting companies, that are noted for giving you the best prices often, not always, give the least benefits to their workers. In a world where I see things in term, through a lens of release, I have responsibility to be thinking about the workers, releasing them from uh, a very a low-paying job that may keep them in poverty and make other financial choices. That's right. In a world of liberty, I can shop anywhere I damn please. So that's an interesting place to stop.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I would ask you on that note to, to, to buy my books at your local bookstore, not from Amazon, because Amazon is one of those places that uh, is all about the price and, and does not support the community or to support the workers the way that, uh, that a bookstore would.
1: How very socialistic of you!
0: Because <laughs> yeah, I need to accumulate wealth to send my children to college, <laughs> and after that, then then they can they can be on their own. After that, you know, I'm uh-huh. not, not going to keep it. I don't need to. I'm not going to take it with me.
1: On that happy note, <laughs> thanks
0: for talking. <laughs> thanks, Rabbi.